We are delighted, as I've said, to have Mr. Rodney Davison with us. Um, we're especially thrilled that his wife Alma and at least two of the children are here. And uh, we just thank them for coming today. It's lovely to fellowship with them. We're going to ask God's servant just to speak to us now as the Lord leads. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you, I have to say, and uh, we've been especially looking forward. We've been doing quite a few deputation meetings since we've been back home um, from Kenya, but I've been especially looking forward to this one because I knew we were going to be able to meet up with uh, our brother's daughter, Joanna, this morning, who came out and spent a few weeks with us last year. I'm sure you're aware of that. And uh, we got to know her, and she got to know us, and uh, I hope she has recovered from it. Since then, just in case I forget, we have a, a little display stand with some photographs just outside. You've probably uh, spotted it on your way in. And on a little table, we have the, the new Fame magazine. It's just uh, become available there in the last few weeks. So you can take one of those. Some of you may have received it this week in the post. And our prayer card is there. A little bookmarker. Feel free to take one. And the latest DVD uh, of Fame is there as well. It's quite a. This is a unique DVD because Alan has taken the... Um, on this DVD, you'll see... The work right from its very commencement 18 years ago all the way through to the present day. And uh, in the will of the Lord, Alan's going to do some meetings over in America later on this year. And he wanted to have that DVD because many of them wouldn't know anything of the work. So at least when they see that, they'll be able to understand better. And if you're here today and you don't know anything about the work, well, if you take one of those and watch it, I'm sure I'll miss many things as I'm speaking today. But you'll see it for yourself. Pray for Alan and Irene, as already been said. They're, they're actually, I would... I think the plane has just taken off. Alan has spent, Alan and I went out for the last two weeks to Kenya and they were flying home today. So their plane is probably in the air as we speak. But it's lovely to be here. It's a very homely little church. We have thoroughly enjoyed the prayer meeting that has already taken place. And I thank those who took the time to meet there in the container at the back. And we really sense the Lord's presence. And uh, that's what it's all about. You know, I was just reading, we have a, a Bible school in our Christian Resource Centre, and I was reading one of the books there, and it was about uh, preaching and the emphasis on preaching the Word and lift, uplifting the Lord Jesus Christ. And the man said something I thought was very, very true. He said, whenever a preacher gets down from the pulpit, if people are all saying, that's a great message, that was a great man, uh, what a wonderful, uh, eloquent man he is, then he's wasted his time. But if he's coming down from the pulpit and everybody's saying how wonderful Jesus Christ is, what a saviour we have. If he has pointed them to him, then he's really preached. Then the Holy Spirit has worked. And may that be our objective when we go to the pulpit to uplift the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to turn, please, just before I, I bring a report and tell you of what the Lord Jesus Christ has been doing in the land of Kenya. I'd like you to turn, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And it's been my prayer today that God himself will speak to our hearts. It's already been prayed and it's wonderful how there's a harmony uh, among believers that the same spirit is leading us. And there were things said and prayed in the prayer meeting that just dovetailed into what the Lord had been leading me to pray for and even putting in my own heart. And it greatly encouraged me. In fact, I was excited <coughs> to get to the pulpit here this morning. Uh, I believe you're... Sunday school work is starting again next Sunday. You'll have uh, other ministries that are just commencing and some of you are involved in those works. And I believe these few verses I'm about to read now 
is a word from God himself Amen. to our hearts. A word to your minister, a word to the session, a word to everyone who has a responsibility and a ministry and a work to do in this church. If you're a Sunday school teacher, youth worker, there's a word here from God for our hearts, a word to my heart. Alma and I are serving the Lord there with all the little orphan boys and girls. We have 178 orphan boys and girls. Many of them call Alma and I mom and dad. And that's a big responsibility to teach them and also our staff and the people in the community. And we all have a responsibility to be faithful. And here's what God says. Look, look at what God says to us this morning in Deuteronomy 31. And we'll read from verse 11. From verse 11 down to verse 13. I remember sharing these words actually with Joanna when she was out. And she told me that uh, they had spoke to her heart. And I was reminded of them. I'd like, them, like us to hear what God says. And let us receive it. As Paul said to the Thessalon- Thessalonica church. He rejoiced that they received the word of God as it is the word of God. It's God's word. Verse 11. When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. And we have, we have gathered together today in God's house. In the place which he shall choose. Thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear. Here's the great purpose. That they may hear, and that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God. And observe to do all the words of this law. Listen to this verse. And it emphasizes the purpose again that they may hear, that they may learn, that they may fear. And that their children, which have not known anything, may hear. And learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land, whether you go over Jordan to possess it. May God bless his word to our hearts. May God bless each one of you as you you take up the work for the autumn and winter time. As God gives you responsibility, as God gives us responsibility to be faithful. And let us remember it's God's word that they need to hear. It's not just little stories or cartoons. Those things have no place. When it comes to teaching the children. When it comes to spiritual matters. That they may hear the word of the Lord. And that they may learn to fear the Lord. You know, as I've said to you, we are out there with the work of fame. It's the Lord's work. We're delighted to be able to be in the work of the Lord. It's a privilege. You know, people say to us sometimes it was a great sacrifice you made to leave. Uh, your job and leave your family and leave your home and the various other things to take your children from the education system here out into the bush in Africa. Certainly it was a challenge, but I can honestly tell you this morning, it's a great privilege and a great honour to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. He's no man's debtor and he's undertaken for us in such wonderful, wonderful ways. I wouldn't have time this morning to tell you all about it, 
But I do trust that he'll help us and direct our mind even to what he would want me to say. But you know, there's a, it's a privilege to serve the Lord. It's a privilege to have all those wee boys and girls, those wee orphans, no father and mother. And uh, to, take, to have the opportunity to, to meet with them and open up the scriptures with them and read to them the word of God and teach them that they might learn that the children which have not known anything may hear. And you know, God has been pleased to save many of those little boys and girls. You know, this morning, this Lord's Day morning, we have a believer's prayer meeting in the orphanage. And uh, it's at half eight. It used to be a quarter to nine, but I had to add 15 minutes because there wasn't enough time for all the orphans to pray that came. Now, they don't have to come. It's called a believer's prayer meeting. It's only for the orphans that profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they want to come and pray to their heavenly father. And when we were leaving, you'll see a photograph. If you look at one of the photographs, you'll see a photograph I took. And it shows our believers' prayer meeting. And just before we came, there was about 50 of those orphans who met for prayer from half eight to half nine. And they're praying for you. They've told me, make sure and greet the people. Greet all those people who support the work, who are, who are supporting us. And let them know that we appreciate their prayers for us. Tell them we're praying for them. And I know they're praying for you. They were praying for us this morning. I know they were praying for me this morning. And I'm always encouraged to know that those wee orphans who love the Lord are praying. And they, they tell us, some of them have told me several times, you know, Dad, they call us Dad, that uh, before we go to bed at night, we get together, some of us, and we get the Bible, we read it together, and we get down on our knees in the dormitory around the bunk beds and we pray to our Father. Isn't that lovely? That's what God is able to do. And he's able to raise up from among those wee orphans mighty men and women of God. And that's our prayer, that he will do that. And that they will go on to serve him as they leave the orphanage and go out into the community, go back to their grandmother, go back to an aunt or an uncle, and try to fend for themselves. I was encouraged. We have a pastor, a chaplain. I was just hearing our brother talking about Elijah coming next Sunday. And uh, we have a chaplain in our centre, and he's called Pastor Elijah. Uh, it used to be Pastor Masika, it's now Pastor Elijah. And he emailed me. He has a little phone that one of our directors brought him, and he can email from his phone. And he emailed me last night, and he said, Brother, be encouraged. We're in the village of Githamula tonight. And I had showed them how to connect up the various things with the generator. And we're showing the life of Christ film, and they were giving out the Gospels of John, and we're preaching the Gospel. And over 300 people have come, and they're all listening carefully to the Gospel here in the dark under the stars of Africa. And I was just thrilled because that's something that we do every other Saturday night, but they've never done it by themselves. But there they are now, out doing it by themselves as well. And uh, we pray God will bless his word. I see children here, and it's good to see the children. And uh, parents, no doubt, are here. And some of you will maybe one day very soon, in the years to come, be parents. And there's something that God has impressed on my heart. And I want you to turn, please, just again to Psalm 78. And it leads on from what we've just read. The verses we've read, God has put a responsibility on the minister, on me, as a servant out in Africa, on Sunday school teachers, children's workers, to be faithful and teach the boys and girls the word of God. But I want to say this morning, in the authority of God's word, the primary responsibility is placed upon the parent, the mother and the father. That is where God places the primary responsibility 
for teaching the children. And we feel the weight of that even among our orphan boys and girls, that we would be faithful to their souls. You know, your boys and girls have been born into this world, your children, with an eternal soul. A soul that will exist forever. (coughs) In either heaven or in hell. Your children's soul will exist forever. In either heaven or hell. Think about that. And here's what God says to us this morning. Psalm 78, verses 1 to 8. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. And our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. And his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded. Notice that word. Which he commanded. He's Lord. He has the right to command us. We must obey. Which he commanded our fathers. That they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born. Who should arise and declare them to their children. That they might set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God. But keep his commandments. And listen to this very solemn verse. I hope it doesn't apply to someone here. And might not be as their fathers. A stubborn and a rebellious generation. A generation that set not their heart aright. And whose spirit was not steadfast with God. They didn't teach their children. They weren't faithful. And taking time each day to sit down with their children. And open up the scriptures and read the word of God. And teach them that they might hear and that they might learn to fear the Lord. And to pray with them. And you know that's something I would like you to pray for us as we go back to Kenya. That God will help us to be faithful. Not only to those little orphans. But Alma and I have a ministry around the schools. There's about 30 schools that we're able to go into. An open door. A completely open door. We just go in, the headmaster will tell the teacher, stop teaching, Rodney's here with his wife. Bring them out under the tree, and they all just sit down, whatever time you want. No restrictions, preach the word. And I, I was just counting up the number of children in those schools, and I estimate about 10,000 children are hearing the word of God every school term. Little African children in the bush, bare feet, walking to school in the dirt. They walk to school with a cup of tea in their belly from half six. They have to be at school at half six. They have to walk a few miles before that. All they get is a cup of tea. At school, most days, there's no food. They just get a drink of water during the lunch break. And then they all walk home. They all walk home again by half four. Imagine the hardship they have. I tell you, if those children had the education system we have here, they would really appreciate it. And uh, there are so many things we take for granted here in this land. The running water we have and our taps and all those things. And a man said to me at a deputation meeting, he says, you know, Rodney, we're not half thankful enough in this land. We're not half thankful enough. And he said something I never heard anybody say before. He said, if God was to give you this week what you thanked him for last week, what would you have? 
How thankful are we? If God just gave you this week only what you thanked him for last week, what would you have? May God make us thankful. And we will count our many blessings in what God has done. But let me come back to these verses. And, we, and I want to just share this with you because it's in my heart. And it's, just, it's something I read. It's based in Africa, actually. In 250 BC, believe it or not, there were a people who lived in a place called Carthage. It was right on the Mediterranean, northern Africa, near present-day Libya. And it made me think about this passage of Scripture that we've just read about teaching our children and the importance. And those children have an eternal soul. And you know, you want your children to be happy. Of course you want your children to be happy. But so many people are focused in on the physical side of things. And they'll sacrifice to their child can have an iPhone or an iPad or the latest computer game or designer this or designer that. And they think that's going to make the child happy. And all the time they're neglecting their eternal soul. And I was just reading about those people in Carthage, Carthaginians. They were a pagan, wicked, evil people with pagan practices. And one of the things they did was they would take one of their little children, a little baby from the family. And they would offer that baby to the pagan priest. who would put, They put it in his hands and he would drop that little baby of theirs into the flames. Offered to the pagan gods to be burned as a, as a sacrifice. Imagine, just think about that. How terrible. And they believed it was a very bad omen, a very bad sign, if their wee baby went crying as it was dropped into the flames. If it was in distress and crying. So the mother and father, it said, would be tickling the child and giving it little presents and trying to make it smile and be happy. So the child would be laughing as they put it into the hands of the pagan priest who dropped it down into the pit full of fire to be burned. So it would go laughing into the flames. And you would say to yourself, how terrible and how cruel a kindness was that to that little child. And you know the reality is, there's many, many mothers and fathers in this land. And they're just tickling their little children with the latest gimmicks of this world. And all the time, they're placing them into the hands of the devil. To be dropped into the flames of hell. Never ever sitting down with them to read the word of God that they might hear. And that they may learn to fear the Lord. And that they might put their hope in God. It's a cruel kindness. There's many children in Kenya, little boys and girls, and they don't have any of those things. But thank God they love the Lord and they have his word. And we pray God will keep us faithful in preaching to them. I want to just tell you this morning about what God has done and what God is doing. And what the purpose of fame is. What, what is our, our mission? What's our purpose? Why are we there? It's the Lord's work. And never, let's never forget that. It's called Fame, Friends of Africa, Missionary Endeavour, but it's the Lord's work. And uh, without the Lord, we couldn't do anything. But we're seeking with his help to reach the poor and the needy for the Lord Jesus Christ through practical humanitarian means. You know, how can you walk past someone who's starving, who hasn't eaten any food, who's maybe dying from a disease, who's nowhere near a clinic, has no clean water to drink, children dying from cholera and typhoid, and tell them, you need to do this, you need to do that, and preach, and do nothing to help them. The Good Samaritan did something. And I often think of the words of that hymn, Rescue the Perishing. Duty demands it. Help for thy labours, the Lord will provide. 
and uh, duty demands it. How could we walk past? The Lord will say to those on that day, you never gave me any water to drink. You saw me hungry and you never fed me. You saw me naked and you never clothed me. You see, talk's cheap. But we need to do something if we're real. And uh, may God help us, every one of us, to be real. Hypocrites won't be in heaven. Many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he'll say to me, say to them people. And they weren't, they weren't atheists. They were using the word Lord. There are people that sat in church on Sunday. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. You lawless ones, you disobedient ones. You see, a faith that doesn't produce a new obedience, a following after the Lord, a surrender to his will, is a dead faith. It won't save anybody. Faith without works is dead. True justifying faith will produce sanctifying faith. I want to tell you just briefly about the clinic, our ongoing work in the clinic. And I do trust you'll pray for Lydia and for Julius, the lab man, and for Mary. You'll see some photographs out there of them and the ongoing work there. And what, the, what a difference it has made. You know, there was one wee boy just, I was showing a, pr- a presentation. He fell into a, a pot of boiling tea, burned his arm, and his mother had to carry him every day to the clinic on her back, five kilometres, to have the wounds dressed. And again, it's just one simple little example. That mother had to walk five kilometres Every day, back five kilometres there, five kilometres back for the wound to be dressed. If our clinic wasn't there, where would she go? What would she do? I don't know what would happen to those open wounds, just in the bush with all that heat and all the disease that is there. But thank God we're able to be there to help her. And she came for two weeks, and now the wee boy's arm's okay. That's just one example that happened just before we came. There was a woman bitten by a rabid dog from the end of April to the start of October. It doesn't rain where we are in eastern Kenya. Six months completely without rain. 40 degrees almost every day. And uh, the leaves fall off the trees. There's no grass. And uh, the dogs get very thin. The dogs aren't like pets out there, by the way. Nobody keeps a dog as a pet. The dogs are just like security. And uh, that's all they're there for. And they're rarely fed. They have to scavenge. And they come so thin. And I think their immune system breaks down and then rabies breaks out. This woman was bitten by a rabies dog. She was able to come to the clinic, have the wound dressed, and get the injections for rabies. There's polio vaccinations, and again, it's wonderful to see. You know, the, the people have a have. They now know that we care for them, and they trust us. And there's a lot. Of, you see, medicines and clinics are relatively new in some areas in Kenya, and they they're they're skeptical. They will still go to the witch doctor for the cure, many. But now they're realizing we really care. And whenever they had a polio vaccination, the government said we want 90% all children under 5 vaccinated for polio under 5. 90% is the target. Most of the government clinics further away from us didn't even achieve 50% because the people are so sceptical. And we achieved something like 95% because they realised well, the aim of trust is to come and they only want what's good for us. And uh, we've been able to vaccinate the children against many things, measles and other things. And thank God the number of medical conditions have decreased. And it's great to see it. And you know, I want to tell you just about uh, a Christian resource centre. I don't think, Joanna, was where we started to build the Christian resource centre. Was there any work? Yeah. Just started, just started. Well, that, that building was completed 
And the purpose of that building is really for pastors, is to teach the teachers. It's a facility for local pastors who just live in a mud hut. They don't have any study materials. And now they have somewhere where they can come and they can sit down and study. They have got access to good, reformed, evangelical, biblical material to study and prepare their messages. And uh, it's, it's a great facility for them. And we were able to open that in September. And uh, we also now have a Bible school started in February. And there's 15 Bible students coming there, walking to the Bible school every Thursday and Friday and being trained up to be pastors. Just the week before last, we had a week of Bible teaching and Titus and Zoka, who went through our Whitfield some years ago, some of you might know him, there was 120 pastors and elders and Sunday school teachers walked every day for a whole week to those Bible teaching meetings. And the subject matter was the great cry of the Reformation, Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And they really were blessed and encouraged. And Elijah emailed me to say, Rodney, they were asking us, can you not do it for another week? We'll keep on coming for another week. They have a real hunger for the word. They don't have access to it, but now they have, and they have a real hunger. And they went home, by the way, with the shorter catechism and the children's catechism translated into Kikamba, because it's the Kamba people that we're serving the Lord with, that tribe. And do you know how many... um, Catechisms they needed when they all pulled out the number of children in all their different churches that were represented. 47 churches were represented. They went home with 5,600 catechisms. And they were going to give those to the little children, the children's catechism. And the shorter catechism, they said, you know, our people, they need to be taught the doctrines of the word. Because many of them don't know. And we're going to now give all our adults that come to church a shorter catechism. And every Sunday during the service, we'll do one catechism. Sunday after Sunday, so they can know. And they can hear the word of God and they can learn and understand the truth of the Bible. So we thank God for what he's doing there among those people. Pray. I hope hope today more than anything you're encouraged. You know, it's been a great thing to go around the various churches and to meet the people who are supporting the work, who are praying for the work. And I trust today you're encouraged. And I trust that even you'll be more informed. And as we go back, you'll continue to pray on. Because you know what? God has promised in Isaiah 55, his word is like the rain that comes down. It does not return void. His word is sent out from God and it will return back to God. It's his word. And it's a living word. And it will not return void. He says it shall not return void. It shall prosper. And it shall accomplish what he sent it to do. And we thank God his word is going out and souls are being saved. You know, God gave us a great token for good at the opening of the resource centre. I want to tell you about that. And uh, maybe you can kick me in the back of the leg if I run over. Is, your, is this congregation in a rush home? Is that right? If I tell an extra story and we run on a little bit, please forgive me. Um, but I want to tell you about a woman called Coley. At the opening of the Christian Resource Centre, we advertise it around the villages. And not like here, a church, the average church in Kenya, all around us where I go to preach, it'd be similar size to this building. I actually feel very much at home here. And uh, it's a lot tidier right now. Yours is a lot tidier. Theirs is just a clay wall and clay floor. And the seats are definitely not as nice. Joanna will tell you that. (laughs) Just wee wooden benches and things, planks. But very similar to the size of this. And uh, we go around and uh, we're speaking with them. But we advertised and the, ch- the people came to the opening of the resource centre. And uh, 1,400 people came. 
Now, in those churches, the people around, they don't have cars. Like you, the car park out here is full of cars, but everybody comes by foot. And those 1,400 people came. There wasn't a single car. They all walked from several miles around. And uh, they came to that day. And we killed a, a bull and we killed a cow for the food and fed them all. And uh, that was also an attraction, obviously, for them. And our brother, Marcus Lackey, uh, Reverend Lackey, who's our home church minister in Cookstown, was there. And he read the scriptures and preached the gospel. And Alan Dunlop saw, he was there, he was there videoing. And he just spotted this very old woman. And he mentioned to one of our pastors, but this one, he says, yeah, I know that old lady. She never comes out to churches at all. He says, you know, you should talk to that old woman. She has a soul. She has a soul that will live on forever. And a few weeks after he went home, that pastor came to me and he said, we were talking about different things. And he mentioned that. He just mentioned that. And I says, well, why don't we go and see that woman? He says, you know, she's a witch doctor. You know, that woman was involved in pagan worship all her life. She would go to the mountain over there, my mountain, which Joanna knows about. And she would offer an animal sacrifice and shed its blood on an altar to pagan gods for the rain to come. And you know also that she was among a group of women who went there and they did what the Bible describes as Seuss saying. They got these drums and they drummed up evil spirits and demons would come into them. Evil spirits would come into them and speak through her. And she would tell the people what to do about things. That's what that woman was doing. And he said, if you go to her home and talk to her, she'll be happy if we go with some food. She'll be happy to get the food. But if you open the Bible and start talking to her about sin and about the Lord Jesus Christ and the need of salvation, she might not be so happy about that. So then I said, we need to pray about that. But I believe we should go. So we prayed and we went. And it was I remember it well. One Saturday morning, we went there to her home, Coley. She was called Coley. That's her Kamba name, Coley. It means forgotten. She's 100 years old. 100 years old. And uh, she told the pastor when we went, she said, you know, I've never in all my life been in a church. I've never in all my life heard anybody read the Bible. I've never in all my life heard about Jesus Christ, who he is, any of those things, until that day at the opening of that resource center. That day was the first time in all my life I heard the Bible read and uh, heard about Jesus Christ. And she said, something spoke to me. And uh, I can't forget what I heard. And she said, I told my family yesterday, you know, I would like some of those Christian people to come, some of those pastors to come here and talk to me. Amen. But I see you've come. That was the next day. Amen. Do you see how we're just spectators? Salvation's of the Lord. And we're just instruments. And it's what God has done with us. It's nothing to do with us at all. I can save nobody. The minister can save nobody, but God is able to save. And... Uh, she said right enough she had heard the, the name Jesus only from some little Sunday school children when she was going to the well to get water with the donkeys. She heard children singing in Kikamba in their language because she didn't know English and she doesn't know Swahili and she can't read. But she said, I heard children singing those little songs that they heard in Sunday school and they were singing about Jesus. That's the only time I ever heard about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And uh, we opened up the scriptures. I remember talking to her about Nicodemus and how you can be born again when you're old. <clears throat> but this, the passage the Lord directed my heart to was Psalm 86. And 
We read that passage. I don't. I haven't time to read it now. But verse five is a wonderful verse. It says, "Therefore, thou, Lord, art good, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy, unto all them that call upon thee." And as the pastor was with me, was reading that to her in Kikamba, because she could only understand Kikamba, I'd asked him to read that passage. That old hundred-year-old woman was sitting there, and the Lord broke her down, and tears started running down her cheeks. And she gave her life to the Lord. Amen. She got saved. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? An old witch doctor. And she only heard the gospel once. And there's, there could be somebody here in this meeting now, right now. How many times have you heard the gospel? And maybe you're still not saved. But that old woman heard it once. And we gave her her very first Bible in Kitkamba. And she said her grandchildren will read it. She said, you know, you need to get out to church now. And this, she'd never been in church. And this was Saturday. And uh, the pastor of the local Githamula Presbyterian, it's, a, um, it's IPC, Independent Presbyterian. And they're, they're reformed in doctrine. And they're preaching the gospel. And we said, look, that would be the nearest one to you. Because she's no car. And she walked, 100 years old, she walked the little donkey tracks the next morning. And she was the first one at the door waiting for him to open the church. And she's been going faithfully, Sunday after Sunday, to the church, walking every Sunday, one and a half kilometers there, one and a half kilometers back. And I went to see her a few times. She's going on with the Lord. And uh, I took her to the clinic one day for a checkup, and she walked out to the truck, about half a mile out to the truck. And she came to the Hilux. It's an old Hilux, seven-year-old. And it's been put through a lot of work, I can tell you, in those dirt roads. And she said to the pastor, do you have to take your shoes off to get inside? Because she'd never been inside one. And you don't have to take your shoes off. She's a very humble wee woman. You know what she said to me the other, just a few months before we came, she'd been saved about six months. She says, through the pastor, obviously through the interpreter, she said, you know, I sleep well now. He doesn't come to me anymore. He doesn't come and talk to me at night anymore. She was talking about the devil. She was talking about demons. They don't come anymore. And now I sleep well. I think they must know I belong to the Lord. And you'll see her picture right there. Big smile. She loves the Lord. That's what God is able to do. He's saved. Imagine out of all the people I thought, out of 1,400 people at the opening, mm -hmm. God saved a witch doctor 100 years old. Eh? Isn't that wonderful? I, I hope your heart is rejoicing. And I, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. You get out to that wee prayer meeting. God's the one who saves. And he'll work. And he'll move. My time has run out. Maybe I'll finish off. Um, I have other things that I wanted to tell you about. I'm not going to get time to tell you about them. Uh, maybe briefly tell you about a water project we did. Um, Alan was over in Canada last year. And he spoke at Toronto Free Church and Port Hope. And they gave a very, very generous gift. And uh, we used that money to bring water from a borehole we have at our village out to Kalulu Village. Kalulu Village is about uh, four kilometres, three and a half, if you go in a straight line. And that's obviously the way we went with the water pipe. And uh, that money was enough to pay for all the water pipes, to put up the kiosk, the water tank, the dispensary, the whole thing, pay the plumber. And the people, they came out, they were so glad because normally those women have to walk with their donkeys and these plastic drums for about three miles to a dry riverbed. There's no water in any of the riverbeds where we are, just dry riverbeds. And they dig down about 30 feet, and at three mile out, they go in the morning at half five, and they, yeah, they bring this dirty water. If you saw it in a jug, you would say that was soup. You wouldn't think it was water, but that's what they have to drink with their family. And uh, it's all they have 
typhoid and cholera kills many, many little babies die early because their immune systems aren't able to cope. The ones that do live are very strong and healthy and they can live a long life. But we'd said it would help them, those people to get water. And uh, 120 or 30 every day came just voluntary to dig the track to get the water, to help us to get it. And uh, see, when they got that water, I have a video, I wish I could show it to you. If I told all of you now, when you go home, there's no water in your house, it's half a mile away. It's now just, it's not three mile away anymore, it's just half a mile away, and it's clean water for your family. You can go get it now. And you have no car to get it, by the way. You'll just have to walk or use a donkey. I don't think you'll be all that happy, probably. Eh? Be depressed. You'll be going home. Well, I have a video of them that day when we opened that water. Water is now clean and it's half a mile away. And they're dancing and singing, la, 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 jumping up and down, praising the Lord, thanking everybody so much for helping them that they have now got water only half a mile away. And it's clean. Eh? Surely we should be thankful just for the, even the temporal blessings and the spiritual blessings. How far would you have to go to hear the word of God faithfully preached in this wee land of ours? This is a land flooded with light and people just want to be in darkness. And that's sad. But Kenya is in darkness. But where God's light has come, I tell you, it has changed things. Amen. It has brought life. And praise God, he's saving souls. Let me finish by, just please take one of these leaflets. This is what I meant to finish with. This little leaflet is our latest project. The Lord challenged me very much through Psalm 41, verse 1. Blessed is he that considers the poor. And that word in Hebrew for poor there is helpless and hopeless. And I thought we were already doing that with the wee orphans. But we rescue three-year-olds up to 18. And he challenged me about that. And a week later, I was at a, very quickly tell you, I was at a meeting of the Area Advisory Council, the District Children's Officer. We're a registered charitable children's institution. And he said to me, Rodney, you know, there's mothers dying, single mothers, and they don't even know who they are, and they come to the hospital and they give birth. Sometimes they die on the operating, th- you know, on the, on the delivery bed. And we're left with a wee baby, and nobody knows who it belongs to, where to take it. They bring it to me. Those babies, sometimes a mother, she's just desperate. She can't find any way to feed a baby. She doesn't know what to do. She can't feed herself. And she just cut, takes the baby and she throws it into an open pit toilet. Just an open pit toilet. Throws her wee baby in desperation and goes away, maybe, and runs away or kills herself. And he says the next person goes to the toilet, they hear the wee baby crying down there in that human feces. And they dig down and get it. And they bring it to me. And I says, what am I to do? And he says, there's babies being brought for 300 kilometres to the only baby unit in Kitui. Could you not do something? Because you have everything legally, everything's there. You just need more facilities. If you could do that and rescue the people, I could bring them to you. And then I realised why God had been speaking to me about blessed is he that considers the helpless and the hopeless. And I shared it with Alan and shared it with our board. And they said, how duty demands it. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. And so by God's grace, that's what Alan and Irene were out doing. Making the renovations necessary to rescue wee babies, day old babies, so we can look after them. When I go back out, we want to employ some local women to help us. Bottle feed them every two hours. Change their wee nappies. They'll not be pampers. We'll be using those cotton ones that I got put on me. And washing them every day. Thank the Lord in 40 degree temperatures you can have them dried again. I'm sorry for speaking on longer than I should. I, and I trust that God has spoke to your heart. If you're not saved today, give your life to him. And salvation has to be taken with both hands. You know out in Kenya there's a false gospel, a prosperity gospel. And people are told, you know, you can take the gift of eternal life. 
but with the other hand you can hold on to sin and self. But that's not the gospel. That is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to let go and turn away from. That's repentance. Let go of self and sin. And you take the gift with both hands. He says, give me thine heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He'll come to be king and to reign as Lord in your life. Not to be a safety net. Some people want God to be a sat-nav for them. They tell God where they want to go. That's what they treat the Lord like, a sat-nav. Say, Lord, I want to go here. Take me safely there. That's not the way it is. He's Lord. We follow him. Where he leads, we're to follow. May God help us to do that, those of us who are saved. God bless you. Thank you for your support. And we'd appreciate your continued prayer for the work. Well, we do thank our brother Rodney for sharing with us this morning and for telling us about uh, the work and fame of drawing parallels uh, from the Word of God.